Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Footy Pot. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. I love it. Okay. okay. Take two. everyone and welcome back to the Foodie Dashi podcast. I'm Nicholas. I'm here with Lauren and we promised you special guests. In fact, we didn't just bring on a special guest. We brought on an extra special guest. So, <laughs> so, 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 so Russ, you're going to have to like really live up to the, the, the hype here. We are I'm here so with sorry. Ru- I'm going to totally disappoint all of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. We like to overhype and then undersell <laughs> on, on the podcast. That's, that's really sort of the, the way we do The opposite of our work-life balance. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> um, Russ, like, oh my God. Like, so, so Russ sent us um, a bio and oh my, I, uh, he is more impressive than Lauren and I put together. Um, and we're already pretty impressive individuals. So I just, okay, let, let, let's go through this. So we have for you today an individual who has worked for what seems like every single AAA studio in existence. We have EA, we've got Maxis, Visual Concepts. Well, I mean, some of these are not. Triple A Studios, but <laughs> Screen Life, 3G Studios, Gearbox, 2K, and now 31st Union, where he's currently working on a project, much like Lauren, they can't talk about. So don't ask. Stop asking. We, we can't talk about it. We literally can't talk about it, or we will lose everything that we own. Um, some games we've got The Sims 2, Sims Bustin' Out, NBA 2K, Family Guy DVD Blast. Superman DVD Blast, Survivor DVD Blast, Borderlands 2, mobile games, and of course the aforementioned unannounced game that we can't talk about. But R- Russ does everything. <laughs> kind of so we so, <laughs> so here's the thing. Like you know, when we talk about like video game production, we're off, we're often like, I'm a game designer. Or no, I do art, I do programming. But Russ <laughs> does video production, motion graphics, like user interface and user experience design, photography, marketing, title design, creative writing, voice acting, and 3D animation. But you don't want to hear about any of that. You want to hear about the very first game that Russ ever played, which is the classic Pac-Man. And so when we, I, we, we like to sort of begin with people's journeys in video games, like how they got started. And we like to go all the way back to childhood, sometimes to dredge up traumatic memories. But this is not a traumatic memory. So Russ, can you tell us a little bit about your very, very first experience? Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for that. Awesome welcoming intro my goodness i just feel <laughs> my ego needed that so badly you have no idea uh, <laughs> no uh the as the the origin story goes so so let, let's go back let's do the wayne's world back to the 80s and uh no what my father would do was uh every saturday he would take my brother and i uh at the time i think my brother was four and i was six or something like that and he would always take us out to this frozen yogurt shop um, based in Runner Park. I, I grew up in the Bay Area. 
And um, they had, and which to Nicholas's credit, by the way, thank you, Nicholas. I had been calling, I, I was calling these arcades <laughs> tabletop arcades, which has been the wrong thing to say for like ever. Apparently, they are cocktail cabinets yeah. or cocktail arcades. They're, they're, they're just called cocktails, usually. Um, just you, cocktail. can call it a, you can call it a cocktail cabinet in the same way that you call them upright cabinets. But gotcha. so, like, I am always the well actually guy when it comes to the historical stuff on the podcast. So don't feel no, that's bad about awesome. It about that but yeah so the the reason why they were called cocktails is because when they were first developed the idea was that it was supposed to be for like i mean because you would often see them in bowling alleys you so i'm talking about the u.s here you would see them in bowling alleys you would see them in bars and the idea is that like the video game was sort of this social mechanism it's this thing that everybody would gather around get really drunk like eat terrible bar food play frogger <laughs> you know like that was supposed to be part of like the whole social experience and it was over time that you know video games then evolved into sort of like the platforms and systems that we have now so that's why it's called a cocktail because you can set your drink on it i, I mean that it. sounds exactly like what coin op used to be up here in the city that unfortunately shut down because of the covid pandemic and coin op was just full of cocktail cabinets i would say and then had amazingly like titled drinks like the gordon freeman that was my favorite um and uh and also an excellent game Right. We also have like Princess Peach and like just like a bunch of stuff. But yeah, like that's exactly uh, that. That's my childhood memories right there. Adult childhood memories, whatever. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. But so I think going... yeah sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I was going, going that, back but, to your story, that, Russ. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we always have to get some interruption. And sorry, go ahead, Lauren. No, no, you're good. You, what, what was what, did you want to finish your thought, Lauren? Oh, no, no, no. No thought. Just, just oh, no go thought. back no to thought. your story. No yeah. thought. Well, yeah. well, and I, th I think what you're talking about is it totally makes sense in terms of um, even what we were doing as kids was like, like it was designed to actually encourage that social element. Right. And actually yeah. like going further and more into like the 90s, that was like the golden age of arcade. Um, just you go to an arcade the whole like you place your token or your quarter up there you don't even know the people are playing but you knew it's like i get the next game you put that yeah. up there and it was all those little things really fun but what was interesting about the frozen yogurt shop was my father was not a gamer he to give you an idea my my father was very he, he was a police officer he was he's was literally the uh, the SWAT team captain. He loved to go scuba diving. I mean, all these things that I'm not. <laughs> and and uh, so like we would go to the frozen yogurt shop and uh, uh, we like my brother and I, Steve, we would sit down and we wouldn't know how the machine worked. We would just see the, the game running through its demo and we'd be eating our little frozen yogurt. We were acting like we knew what we were doing with the joystick and the buttons and whatnot. Well, one day a stranger saw us sitting there and said oh you boys want to play the game and it was literally like like one of those comedies you see where my dad was in slow motion going no! and he pulls out the shiny quarter and he goes over it and he puts it in before my dad could stop him and all of a sudden all of the lights turned on the sound came on and you're like what is this magic you have uncovered and suddenly we could actually control Pac-Man and, and oh, it was over after that. My dad and my dad knew it. He he knew it was over. My brother and I were, were hooked ever since. So That's that amazing. is amazing. You <laughs> 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 like that at the same time. No, but I especially I especially like the the whole, you know, you were seduced by the power oh. of Pac-Man. <laughs> it, it was like my version of Eden, right? Like it was like the apple was shown to me and I took a big chomp. I was like, oh, this is, 
I now have knowledge. This is amazing. And, and I kind of had I was a little bitter to my dad too. Cause I was just like, you, you totally manipulated us. We thought that this is just how it was. And there was this whole other world to discover. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still give him crap to this day about that. You should give him crap. That is awesome. <laughs> I love hearing the, like, I don't know. It's so funny because I've never had somebody say, like Pac-Man was my Eden. And then suddenly I'm like, yeah, but like also like you are chomping on the fruit and you yes. are Pac-Man. Like I've never had someone be like, I am Pac-Man. <laughs> and honestly, like that is what we are at our core. It's just people that like to chomp down on food and like run around. <laughs> this maze Absolutely. Of life. Yeah. Pac-Man is the id. It is. It is yes. literally them. I don't know. <laughs> but it certainly seems like the id. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of like I really I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today, Russell, because for me, you do something that I don't think a lot of people know about in the video games industry. And you've done so much in your career. Right. That for me, I want to kind of open up that window, so to speak. Right. And to how sure. AAA development isn't just a bunch of like game designers sitting around a table and like giving each other shit. I mean, it is. <laughs> but uh, right there. It. It's part of it, right? But like, how did you get from, you know, being, you know, the, have the apple of Eden, you have all this knowledge of game yes. development, right? To actually getting into game, the games industry. So that has been an interesting journey for me overall, because originally my, my dream was to work more in film, um, specifically either ILM or in Pixar, because I love special effects. I loved what, what they were doing with, with all the character animation and whatnot. But at the time, it was a daunting task because um, I remember when I as I was getting ready to graduate college, this is back in 2002. So um, that, that dates me. <laughs> hey, and, uh, hey, I am a fellow old man on this podcast. Yes, old yes. men now dominate. <laughs> uh, but but no, like I, I remember having um, almost a I, I, well, not, not a panic attack, but like I, I was getting uh, the sensation of feeling depressed because the tools were not as user friendly back then as they are today. To give you an idea, sub D's were the cat's meow back then. That was like when Jerry's game got released and like people were discovering like, Hey, we don't have to use NURBS anymore. We can use subdivisional services. And, um, it was interesting because I was actually at my very first GDC now, was in hold up there, Russ. Can you go into like what you just said as yeah, there's a lot and maybe in there. English, maybe in, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the of the terminology of the of, tech of the... yeah give us give me something because i realized for you this is a moment where you were like having a breakthrough and i want to have that breakthrough with you so could you just talk about what you just said as what was actually the breakthrough when people are transitioning to that type of technology like give me an example so that i can follow with you and then we'll go back to your first time sure again. sure sure so okay so um Okay, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll rewind it a bit further. So um, back in 1995, I'm dating myself even more. Nice. I got my first internship at Autodesk. And um, I met this, this guy. Um, his name is Roy Dorado. Um, he, um, ever since then, has been my mentor. He, he is a fantastically sharp individual. And um, really briefly, like one of the things I'm so grateful for for him was that he was an enabler. And for me growing up, like when I heard the word enabler, it had kind of a negative connotation associated with it, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, 
this person likes to drink. They're an enable, they're enabling me and I have a problem with alcoholism or something to that effect, right? He was was the the exact opposite of that, where he he actually saw this pimply faced nerdy kid. I, I had nothing to offer him. And he took me under his wing. And suddenly I was like this 15-year-old kid who had an internship at Autodesk. And that was crazy because this is before, well, actually Windows 95 just got released. But like 3D Studio was just called 3D Studio back then. So you had to literally go through like the MS-DOS command prompt yeah. and be like, thought .exe, launch, you know, and do that kind of thing. Call directory, make directory, yep. Yes, Good my days. man. <laughs> so, so yeah, like like going from that into college, it was like this weird, um, rapidly changing industry in terms of how the tools were used because you went from these very basic primitive shapes like spheres and cylinders that sort of thing and then suddenly you had more and more of the of these tools that were being designed such as NURBS which um to folks who don't know what that means that's non-uniform rational beast blinds and that was a big step forward but at the same time it, it was very complex to just creatives like myself like like you had certain people who were very um, knowledgeable and skilled when it came to manipulating that. But unfortunately that group was pretty small. Like you didn't have as much of the user friendliness. Then you came to sub D's, which again, it, like if you think of like a, a three dimensional cube, you can select a face on one of those sides of the cube and you can literally like extrude from that another cube. And if you do that over and over and over again, you can do that, you know, using ideally quads. But that was a, a massive step forward in terms of how we could actually detail props and video games, um, faces on characters, environments. Like, and, and since that time, the, the sub-Ds has remained kind of the bedrock with a lot of these newer programs. I hope I'm answering the question that yeah, you Yeah, no, I was going to say, this is so <laughs> like, inspiring. Like, it's crazy to think about how... I don't know how much technology has evolved, right? And I feel like I can talk about it from my perspective. Uh, and I I would say I relatively got into games when a lot of technology was just really kind of updating the same stuff over and over again, right? Sure. Versus these fundamental shifts in yeah. how we produce games. And so it is always awesome for me to, to hear about that. So thank you for taking me on that journey because I was like, whoa, 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 you are saying something very important to you right now. <laughs> not and just, I don't know what he, that is. Not just, well, not just important in terms of Russ's own history, but like that, that's sort of a cataclysmic moment in like the history of video games, because you're talking about a, a historical shift from essentially like 2d approximations of 3d renders into like actual 3d rendering. Like that happened historically in a moment. And it's like, people lived through it and we can talk to them about it and like well that's still alive. like <laughs> okay i didn't mean to put it that way it's not like you're just an ancient no, human yeah. okay, so, so tell me about that it sounds like you were doing right the art you're doing that and you're getting into the games industry you've got your first gdc let's go to there and i want to really make sure we do hit on how we got into the multimedia section right because that's kind of sure. later on in your career so we might skip a little yeah, no, no problem. So, so uh, yeah, I feel like this is important to say because um, when I was at my first GDC in 2002, I was on the cusp of graduating college and I was feeling depressed because I realized I didn't have my skills basically were not up to par in terms of being able, of getting a job at places like ILM or Pixar, which is crazy because I, I had already um, 
known people who worked at these different places and even they were trying to pull for me but as we all know those are some of the most sought after places it's harder to get into than yeah. than fort knox i mean even, even like for like a uh you know the front desk uh i don't even know what they call it secretary or whatever but like that particular i remember um this is way back in the day that position was open they got over something like 1500 applicants or something to that effect i mean it was just insane because everybody was trying to get their foot in the door yeah so i have to give props to a college buddy his name is steve swink and um i think he last i heard i think he's teaching game design um at a, co a college in arizona i want to say but I remember we were we were breaking for lunch at GDC and I was kind of just, you know, feeling kind of down the dumps about like my my certain uh, predicament that I was in. So he asked me about it and, and I just, like, explained it and he said, you know, have you ever thought about motion graphics? And I was like, I have never heard of this term motion graphics because my world had been in 3D modeling and, and animation for uh, my, my college career. And he said, yeah, he's like, you know you helped us out with uh, within the the video game department of the college that we went to and um and what i had done is i had done some promotional video work and that sort of thing for their project that they were presenting at gdc and he's like yeah like what you did there that's called motion graphics he's like you know i think you should really pursue that because you've got um certain skills in that and so that planted a seed in me because um i was not aware of having this other I don't know, way of contributing um, with motion graphics and actually motion graphics, you can plug into many different industries and it yeah. just, it just kind of depends on those kind of capacities. So I just figured out I, I would get that out of the way really quick uh, because I feel like that is um, definitely one of the, the pillars of um, who I am, I guess you could say in terms of career. That is crazy to think about. I mean, not just the timing of that, but with the technology, but also like, how your friends just like, actually, I know you've been doing a bunch of this stuff that you think you're doing, but really, right? And like, it takes, <laughs> it takes other people sometimes to kind of it tell does. you about yourself. And I, well, and I appreciate the honesty too, right? Like that's, that's what true friends do is like, they, like they can take a raw inventory of who you are as a friend or who you are as a person or whatever. And like, Sometimes it can be brutally honest. Other times, though, it's like you need a recalibration, don't you? And I, I know I can speak for myself where it's like that was a complete recalibration because my friends saw that like I, I felt lost. I was just kind of blowing aimlessly like like a, a leaf in the wind. And I, I knew the industries I wanted to get into, but I didn't know how to actually plug myself in and, and be able to utilize what it is that I love to do, basically. I, wow. I Like, OK, so. My immediate thought there is, one, I love the fact that, like, when software and video games, like, anything having to do with software design is talked about, it, like, people tend to overemphasize all of these, like, hard skills. Like, you know, do you know how to code? Like, do you even know how to code, bro? <laughs> but what the more and more that Lauren and I talk to people, what we come to realize is that it's actually, like, the human skills that seem to be more important than anything else. It's the ability, like you said, to have someone in your life who can look at all of the things that you can do and not necessarily repackage it for you, but make you see it in a fundamentally different way. It's those so-called like soft skills that actually get people into the positions that they need to be in to do really innovative work because otherwise the cat is trying to eat the, my leftover pizza. Yes. <laughs> I'll cut that eat out. It, cat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I I let you up here and you're doing this. Sorry, go ahead, Lord. No, I think you should leave that in. I think you should cut us out <laughs> saying that. Or you can cut it out. You can cut this part out, but you should leave that in because otherwise the cat is eating my pizza. Yes. <laughs> but oh, oh, yeah, I, have, so I do have to add one totally random bit. I don't know. I don't think Lauren saw this. So my daughter uh, just last Friday brought home a drawing from art class where she lit- she drew a cat eating a donut. So it's kind of in that wheelhouse of what you just described. I, just, I, I had to tell you. That. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No, those are like the little interesting life things that like, you know, happen in your life. And then they make you remember like kind of why you're doing this. Right. So what would you, so Russ, what would you consider to be like the, the moment in your career when you finally realize like, aha, I have arrived. Or maybe you oh. don't feel like you, you've arrived. Like what what sort of stands out as like sort of the spark or the moment where you're like, I now know where where I am and what I'm doing. If at that's all. a that's a really good question. You know, I for someone like myself, um, and especially this is be, I become more acutely aware of this the older I get. And what that is 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 that the older I get, the more I realize that there are so many things I don't know, and that's a very good thing. Yes, because it gives me the opportunity to be able to learn more, um, and that that is not limited to just the video game industry. That's limits that that just goes into all things, which is great. I mean, that's kind of the spice of life, isn't it? It's like I I don't want to know all there is to know about, say, for instance, motion graphics or about three D, which I don't. I mean, like there there will always be someone who is better than me at any given thing, and that's fantastic because that makes life worth living you know it's one of those things where like i want to be inspired i want to see that goal and be like you know what i know i can't get there yet but i'm going to strive and and create a stretch goal to get there and i think that that's that is part of when i when i think of my career i I look at it as almost like It's almost like Xbox achievement unlocks, right? Or, or like PlayStation <laughs> trophies, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you worked on Borderlands 2. It comes out and you're like, all right, I unlocked that achievement. But I haven't, I haven't completed the game yet, right? Like, yeah, like no, I haven't yeah. gotten to the end of the game. And not to mention the fact, even if I did think I was at the end of the game, there's new game plus. So, hey, there's a whole other uh, opportunity to be able to start over again. So, so I, what, what would the speedrunning version of your life look like? Oh my goodness! I don't even want. <laughs> Sorry, that's it's kind of a non sequitur. It's just like following that, along the chief. That, man, that, that is a good question. My brain. See, you have to be careful because I am so visual. Like when you said that, now I've got this whole like monstrosity playing and mentally in my brain. <laughs> no, I, I I love that because for me, I feel like I've lived my life on speed run. And when I say that, I mean I was doing a different job or a different career or something different every single year. And it didn't help that when I was a child, I was in a different school system every single year of my life until I was like eight or nine. Oh, wow. And I didn't United- know that. Yeah. And so in the, United- in the United States, that basically, and I started school when I was three years old because of my parents both worked and they were like, the daycare centers were too expensive, but the school was like very inexpensive comparatively. So they just enlisted me. Enlisted. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was just drafted. Assassin by the age of drafted into preschool. Widow, eat your heart out. I was like, wow. What? I don't know. Vanguard came out this week. There we go. Uh, but yeah, so I was, I was just always in school. So I'm just used to like, chew, 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 right? Like change, 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 change. And finally, when I got into the games industry, because it takes so long to make games, right? Mm-hmm. it really is something where you're like, you almost have to slow down. 
which is funny because games is not a slow industry to be in. It is a very fast paced environment, but the timelines are different. And so I was already equipped to handle fastness, but I wasn't really equipped to handle slow. And when I also started the industry, I absolutely related to your story, Russ, where you got to a point where you were kind of listful and depressed because you got something in a degree that you loved, but you're like, man, I'm lacking something because I'm not able to get into the industry that I want to get into. Right. And so I would love to know if you had any advice for people that are kind of feeling that same way, especially coming after COVID here. I've met so many new students that graduated in 2019 or 2020, right? Yeah. And when they graduate in 2020, they can't network. They can't go to those places. So kind of how, yeah, what advice do you have for people that, you know, are probably feeling like you did then, but feeling like that now, right? And they want to get into games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, First of all, networking is so paramount. And I don't mean the the cheap uh, use people kind of thing and then throw them away later. I mean, like, like generally have... Um, or not generally, like um, genuinely, there we go. Hello, brain work. Genuinely have um, an interest in people, and especially if it comes to the industries that you're interested in working in, because more often than not, you will have certain fundamental commonalities with those folks anyway. And yeah. like to give you an idea, like my, my first foray going into video games was working uh, for Maxis. And my girlfriend at the time, who was like my, my college uh, sweetheart, I don't, I don't, Lauren, I don't know if you know who she is, um, but um, her name is Lindsay Pearson now. She And she still works on The Sims. She's like, I don't know if she's a GM now or something, but I mean, she has, she is a wonderful success story of someone who came out of college, started as a game tester, worked her way up through assistant producer, associate producer, so on and so forth, was the brainchild behind Making Magic. It was one of the expansion packs for The Sims. Um and I remember I was working for Cisco Systems back when I first graduated. It was in the corporate sector and I was just very unhappy. And I was like, man, like my heart is in games. Like I play games on the regular all the time. And she was instrumental in putting a word in for me to get into Maxis in the first place because they were rapidly expanding because they had multiple Sims games that they were working on. I mean, they even had SimCity 4000 that was under development back in the day. And so my first foray was actually becoming a game tester working on The Sims busting out. And um, it just so happened that it was for the Xbox division. But that that was also such a huge trajectory point for me because she was very instrumental for that. And I'm so grateful for uh, what she did to this day. And, and it's been a blast watching her ascend the ranks and has become such a cornerstone of the world that is the sims i mean she eats sleeps breathes that game and so much of who i mean she is she's such a sharp wonderful person um just even outside of of all the work and everything else i mean to give you an idea one of her grandparents found one of the elements on the scientific periodic like chart the table that we all learn in high school or whatever yeah her grandfather or someone like found one of those elements so it's like yeah <laughs> she's it's in her genetic code to just be <laughs> yes awesome. she's way smarter than i could ever hope to be um, so anyway that that was but i think in terms of uh not not to make this long-winded but just that was a, a prime example of advice i would have is like you know when you have someone whether it's a significant other or it's a friend or maybe you're just doing networking 
networking is such a huge thing, especially when you, when you stay in touch with these folks and you're able to celebrate in their successes or advancements or promotions, you're able to cry with them or have a, a shoulder to like be able to, to um, counsel them during their failures and their flaws or, or mistakes that they made. Right. And the other side of the equation is it is such an exciting time right now in terms of the convenience of learning, right? I mean, you could, you can literally learn anything you want to learn on YouTube, on Twitch. Um, you can even like look up certain podcasts if you want to. And we didn't have, you know, this is, this is where I get to invoke the old man. We didn't have that back in my day. You know, like we had, um, we had to read had books. books. <laughs> I had to go down to the library and flip open a huge book and read it. Uh, so it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's today, it's such an exciting world. And I also think too, that the industries like the video game industry, they've gotten to a point where they're much more accessible in that regard. You know, it's weird because we used to like, like, like Nicholas and I would probably have to stop by in person, right. To drop off a resume, which they don't yep. do anymore. That's like kind of one of the more impersonal sides, but. Well, actually here's something that I think is really important because we, cause you're talking about networking in a fundamentally different way. Cause I think when most people hear the phrase networking, they think like, you know, large meet and greet functions and they think of it primarily as a transactional relationship like i'm getting to know you so that right. you can further my career what you're talking about but i mean that is an aspect of what you're talking about but in many ways that's secondary to like forming really deeply meaningful personal relationships and they, they can be like mentor and mentee they could be friendships but they're the kinds of relationships where instead of like looking at someone as like, how are you going to further my career? It's more like solidarity. It's like, how are we going to help each other? Right. How can I celebrate in your success? You can celebrate in mine. And how can we recognize like that it's valuable when we both succeed? And that's exactly. where I think where most people don't actually think of networking in those terms. And so I really, really want to stress that point, even though you said it far more beautifully than I did. Nonsense. <laughs> no, I think you both said it excellently because at the end of the day, right, this is why we're bringing guests onto the podcast is to make sure that like we foster like the relationships, but like talk about unique and interesting positions that people can have in the games industry from wildly different careers. Because I did not start in the games industry with like a comp side degree or even art. Like if they had hired me for my drawing skills, like I would have been really lucky. Like there would have been no skill on that. It would have been a hundred luck and and a negative one modifier. So it would have gotten on on a 99. Um, but so to wrap us up here, we want to do something super fun and we want to go into rapid fire questioning. Um, and so what's going to happen is Nicholas, uh, you are going to lead this one because you guys can, you can get into it. Um, it's because I'm a fellow old man. Transparency, everyone here, uh, I'm having some audio issues. So we're fixing me in post. So if I sound oh, a little true, yeah. gnarly, that's why. Uh, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. So thank you Lauren, guys. Do you for... mind if I give you a shout out before we go into the rapid fire? Oh my God. Yeah. What? So, okay. I, so I have been so thankful that you have joined us at 31st Union because of so much of, of, of the input that you have put in and the work that you have done has made our upcoming game that much better. And it was interesting when you first got hired on because um, I, I obviously didn't know you at that time, but I was paying attention to the contributions that you were making. And one of the areas that Lauren has been an absolute rock star 
um, is in the narrative area, because that was one of the, the areas that um, I have always um, held a special place for, not, not just with the game that we're working on, but like in general, like when I'm playing games, I love me some quality narrative. So Lauren has really been pushing forward and championing that um, in, ter- in terms of what we can try and do for, for the game that we're working on. And I've been very, very thankful for that just because um, what she, I, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to get fired, but like in terms of like what she's doing, um, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, and I look forward to seeing like how all of it comes together. I'll just, I'll leave it with that. <laughs> Wow, no. thank you. No, you guys are crying. I'm not crying. No, I'm not crying. <laughs> You're crying. Okay, so very, very, very serious question, Russ. Yes, sir. So if a song comes on, like, say, your, your Spotify weekly or, like, on the radio, what is a song that you hear that you absolutely have to sing the moment it comes on? So there are many... These are... These are uh, I just know are going to be great questions because... <laughs> So, so I have a horrible singing voice. It is atrocious. I could probably make glass break. However, that doesn't stop me from making a joyful noise in my car. Um, the, and, and it kind of leaps, right? There's many songs. The one that I am really hooked on right now is called Faith by Stevie Wonder and Ariana Grande. Um, the, the original Faith song that Stevie Wonder does um, is actually a lot slower. However, yeah. my daughter watches this, uh, I think it's called Sing. Uh, it's a 3D animated film. It's, it has a lot of great music in there, but they did a remix of the song. It just, you could be totally in the dumps. If you listen to that song, that specific version of the song, I think you'll, you'll be feeling better. No, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, next up. Okay, okay, hot topic, hot, hot, hot topic. In fact, hot topic, so hot that it's on a hot pizza. What, we, what, is, your, what is your ideal slice? What's your Canadian your, bacon and pineapple. Okay, moving on. It's like me, fruity yet oddly appealing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take it back. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. So, okay, what what is your what is what is the game you are playing right now at this very li- moment? I just finished Guardians of the Galaxy by Eidos Montreal, and that. Okay, Lauren. By the way, speaking of narrative, like that the dialogue the vo the writing and the, just the overall narrative is fantastic like you want to talk about getting in the feels by the time i beat that game i was like wow like james gunn had a had a hard enough time being creative in that capacity of these misfits and how how is he going to bring them to the the, the silver screen and he did it and it, it was fantastic so then i was thinking wow idos is going to try and do this and they did in my yeah. humble opinion, I played, I was like, I even wrote them uh, on social media. I was like, wow, you guys, you guys captured the spirit of Guardians of the Galaxy. Bravo. Oh, I am so happy to hear that. Um, I will. I actually met uh, Raina Anderson at a GDC once. We got ice cream together at Mel's Diner for all of the writing. And ever since then, when she was like, oh, I worked at Eidos and I was working at Crystal at the time, we were like, oh, we're like sisters, like sister studios, right? Yeah. Um, and we've kind of just slightly kept in topic. But yeah, I will shout her out too, because I've been looking forward to playing that game. And now she went from being one of like the lead writers to the senior narrative coordinator awesome. on that on that project. So I am super happy to hear that. I know with a leader like that, who knows how much she was involved in that project like you know from the writing to the vo but as a coordinator she's got to be in everything so i'm just hands down excited 
All right, next question. Next question. Favorite game of all time. Oh man, you and these questions. This is so. This Warren wrote the questions. I didn't write. I'm just reading them. No, no, no. no. (laughs) The questions are great. It's it's like I I find myself having to cheat on this because there are so many games that I love. So is is can I? Am I allowed to? Or no, no. You have to pick your you have to pick your favorite child. Oh freaking a! Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Oh my gosh! It's, I, I have I have them written down here. I, it's like, how do I choose one of my children? I can't. They're they're all just so lovely. Um. Okay, I'm going to just go with. If you're going to make me choose one, I'm going to choose one that's a little more recent, uh, which is Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a very good um, game. Yeah, I I was absolutely blown away by what Gorilla Games came up with with that. The there are so many forward thinking uh, approaches to what they did in terms of the game design, the environments, the characters. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the sequel. Yeah. Horizon also has my, probably my favorite current voice actor of all time, which is Ashley Birch. Just absolutely phenomenal actor. Like she knocks it out of the park every single time. It's amazing. Oh yeah. And I have to say that, like, I'm pretty sure playing Horizon Zero Dawn got me my job at Crystal Dynamics because I couldn't stop talking about the UI in that game. <laughs> and it also got me out of level design and into systems design because I was supposed to be a level designer there. But because the systems team likes UI and I wouldn't shut up about how good it was in Horizon Zero Dawn, they're like, OK, we're going to hire you, but strike that actual application. You're going to go here instead. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. All right, final question because we are actually well. It's not actually that's not actually the final question, but you already answered the final question earlier. So. <laughs> yeah, I skipped, I skipped a little ahead because like it was just the right moment for it. Okay, but this is a good one to end on because we are a podcast about sort of thinking critically about video games. Sure. So not necessarily your favorite game, but the game that's sort of like stuck in your head and you were constantly thinking about and why. So. And you're probably, I had two games, but you were going to make me choose one. And, uh, no, no, you do both. Actually, this is important. Oh, I can do both? We'll, we'll, we'll go oh. over. Yeah, we'll go over. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So the first game is Firewatch. Have you, have you f- played yes. uh, Firewatch at all? Okay. Um, what's crazy about Firewatch is that this is a title. When you think it's, it's kind of more of an indie title. Um, the graphics engine itself is, is, you know, it's like a, it's standard fare, right? Like, like it's not like something that is on the bleeding edge. Um, when you, when you think of like graphics engines and that sort of thing, but what got me thinking critically about it was once again, it was the narrative. Um, and I play, I mean, I have all kinds of, of different experiences when it comes to like these single player narrative titles. Um, and what struck me was the approach that they made in firewatch where, uh, for, for those who, who haven't played it, you're kind of on this like this campground site and you have this this um other character that this this female who's in some other watchtower like the idea of the premise being that that you have these watchtowers that keep an eye on like the campgrounds but i found the relationship that they were able to forge with the back and forth you never see this character you only hear her but the the vo was so well done and the writing itself man, it, 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 it stuck with me in a way that makes me excited for the future of how we can push narrative in games because it wasn't just, oh, you need to go here and put out this fire. Oh, you need to walk over here and find this tool or, you know, those kind of uh, chores as I love to refer to them in games. But it was more about she got in my head as a gamer. 
Um, it was interesting how it first, and, and especially as the relationship started to form in terms of, of these two characters and some of, and I don't want to like spoil anything, but basically like you run the gamut in terms of, of, um, what humanity tends to do in terms of, of lifting you up, of letting you down, of, uh, betraying you, um, of, of redemption, like redeeming said trust. And I think that there, there is a lot there in terms of the unspoken or the subconscious of, uh, kind of what you're left with and i'm being um vague intentionally because i don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't played it but for me like that that to this day has had a lingering impact um in many different ways and i thought it was really interesting how i'm like trudging through the this campground and all of a sudden like you know we're having conversations about past relationships or or the or even our like kind of like professional relationship and and what's going on and being able to confide in each other and it had absolutely nothing to do with like the mission at hand but at the same time it was like wow this works this makes sense and so i don't know if that makes sense to you guys or not. yeah no i noticed a similar thing in uh, like soma does this as well where like the the sort of the conversations that you have with characters that you're supposed that are remote but you're supposed to be helping they have this like not just a philosophical overlay, but also at the same time, it's like, wait, why am I, wait a minute, why am I playing this? Why am I doing these tasks in this right. game in this way? Absolutely. Yeah, no. Did I, you, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. did you two have that same type of experience when you were playing Firewatch? Lauren, why don't you go ahead? I, I have an answer to this, but I want to see what you, you have to say. I mean, so for me, when I played Firewatch, I really kind of got into the, invested in more of like the storytelling that, happened directly or in the environment. So for me, I was really impressed by the environmental storytelling and how in a seemingly like open world, they actually really shuttled you in a single player kind of driven experience. Um, At the time I played it, I was in level design. And so I was really looking at it right from a level design perspective. I tend to do that. Um, And I did really like the storytelling and the voice acting as well. I think that's what really sold it was that when you uncover in a lot of these amazing games where you have someone that's on remote, it's really a mystery, right? It's is the person that's talking to me telling the truth, right? Am I telling the truth? Because you, you aren't playing yourself, right? But you can only assume the truth is being told to you. Like that's the confirmation bias. And so for me, it was looking at how that confirmation bias went against or with, right? The environment, right? When was the environment correct? And then it like, yes, that's the truth. Or when was the environment like a little strange? Like, wait, this doesn't really feel like what was being said is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. But then you as the player or the character aren't necessarily like saying that back. And so I think that that was what really stood out to me. So yeah, I would, I mean, kind of my experience was similar to yours, but also like I was really focused on the, the visuals. I'm a very visual person. So I was like, wait, what I am hearing and what I am seeing dissonance but in a good way not like in a bad way yeah for me it it was more the uh like the subjective uh, mood is pretty much the only way that i can describe it is because yeah you are you're as lauren said you're sort of shunted into a particular kind of experience but it had that really great quality that a lot of like survival horror i mean it is sort of survival horror ish ish but it has that really great quality where it's like one, you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing, and you're just kind of like, 
it's almost like you you have to follow so i when i played the game i immediately compared it in my head to like bioshock where you know the very beginning of the game you find yourself like somebody is immediately talking in your head and telling you like you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this and i'm not going to spoil by i mean we've spoiled bioshock in other episodes of the podcast but the point <laughs> is is that the but the fundamental difference was that like in the case of interacting with atlas atlas kind of just feels like a narrator like it's like oh and now the person is doing this or like the the sort of that insidious way in which like in the stanley parable it's sort of like you're being talked about as you're doing things but in the case of firewatch like i wanted to know who she was like there was actually there there was a desire that was being elicited to know so in this world where like you don't necessarily know why you're doing things you are being i recently become really fascinated with like how do games elicit desire in players and it's very tricky and games that do it really well like i feel like they have a this like really important understanding that I want to unlock. So I think I'm going to go back and play Firewatch again to figure it out. So we're not going to get to your second one because that one, because actually I want to leave it on that note. Like that was a really great point to end on. And I also want to let everybody know that if you, if you have loved listening to Russ, you can actually find more of his work at www.russell and that's Russell R U S S E L L Perkins P E R K I N S.com. Also, Russ, you have a podcast. So, I do. You know, big, big heart. <laughs> so, so Russ hosts a podcast with his, with his brother Steve. I have actually watched an episode of said podcast. And oh, I you can poor ho- man. <laughs> no, that's no. I'm not going to allow you to self deprecate. It's called Joygasm, and I love that title. By the way, Thank a, video you, sir. Game, a video game and movie podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Russ, I know I can't speak for Lauren, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you both. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm tickled pink. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much, Russ. Thank you. Thank you.